A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns. So together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Friday with Friends and I have Simon Holloway, the sales and marketing director of VeggiePod, if you have even listened to me at all this this past year, I have been promoting and celebrating VeggiePod. I discovered it when I just wanted to build my own garden, but didn't know what I was doing. And VeggiePod is a self-watering portable garden bed company, and they're amazing. Simon is one of the three um, main founders, and I have him on the podcast with me today talking about this business and being a small business in general. Welcome, Simon. Thanks for having me, Lara. Pleasure. It's so nice to meet you. Simon and I have been buddies since I first discovered your amazing invention, and I really discovered it in part because of, well, fully because of the pandemic, because I started to panic a little bit as a vegan, but also as a lover of produce about early on, you know, when they were shutting down stuff, I was like, am I going to be able to get to the grocery store? So I just started looking up plantings and how to, how to do your own garden. And yours was like one of the first things that came up in Google. I ordered it and have loved it so much. Right. I, I talk about it a lot. The reason I love it, I want to hear all the backstory about how you guys invented it, but I am not a gardener. I barely can sustain houseplants that don't mean much. So what I loved is it's so freaking easy uh, uh, to grow stuff with little skill. So let's back up and talk about, are you a gardener? How did you come up with this concept? Yeah, well, I probably should clarify first. I'm not the actual inventor. My business partner, Matt, who may be joining us a bit later, is the inventor. Um, and I am off in the mouth. So I'm the one running around screaming about it. So that's why a lot of people hear about me and see my face. But that's the inventor. He's the clever one there. And the uh, the third business partner is his brother, Paul. 
whom I worked with many years in, in back in corporate days, and that's how the three of us came together. So, but taking it way back to the beginning, we're going on ten years now. It's one of those classic stories of the backyard invention, and uh, as we know, failure is is often the the, the mother of invention. And uh, Matt, maybe like yourself, wasn't a good grower. He was failing on many points, and uh, be that overwatering, underwatering pests harsh elements, all of these things kept knocking him over one by one and he was one of those persistent buggers that just said, oh, I'm going to keep getting at this. And uh, and thank God he came up with it in the backyard, uh, started off drawing on paper. He learned to plastic weld to initially do his first prototypes. He went and volunteered himself at one of the local nurseries here at, at Sydney to get his head around the horticulture side of things. And over a couple of years began this wonderful invention, the veggie pod, and um, it's about hitting all those pain points, which you alluded to, you know, uh, makes gardening somewhat challenging for, for those of us. Um, I was lucky enough personally to grow up on a farm. Having said that, I understood what the pain points were. And as soon as I saw it, I went, my God, it's doing it all. And so when Paul introduced me to Matt and said, check out what my brother's doing in his backyard, I went straight away, wow, this is amazing. Paul and I were the only two silly fellas in the world that would get behind him at that point. You know, because Matt had already started then selling it in our local farmers' organic markets on the weekend and, and was getting some sales and people were interested, both beginners and experienced gardeners alike. And that was enough to go, okay, something's, something's going here. And um, for me, as a matter of fact, uh, it wasn't actually the newbies that was the the benchmark, if you like, of what interested us in terms of it going forward as a business because the newbies, a lot of them don't actually get the pain points because they haven't gardened before. So they don't know there are problems with underwatering and overwatering and those bloody pests that come at you at this time of the evening and whatnot. But for me, it was looking at the reactions from a bit more of the experienced gardeners, whom I was myself as well, going, you know what? It's nailed that. It's nailed that. It's nailed that. It's not... I'm going to get it, you know, because they're the ones who would be a more of a discerning eye, if you like, and yet they were the ones who were buying it straight away. So, yes, it absolutely is perfect for newbies because it's almost fail-proof, but it's also a vote of confidence from those who have gardened before that understand those gardening pain points and have nailed it all. So, you know, here we are 10 years on. We're in 19 countries as of next month when we move into Germany. We're in garden centres all around the world, including the US, and it's been a wonderful journey and, and it's a wonderful industry to be part of. It really is because I think that, like you said, the experienced gardeners immediately recognize like, like, wow, I don't have to now worry about the little pests, the animals. Because I know here, like in New Jersey, one of the bigger issues is the soil. The soil right. is not good. So you always have to do a raised bed. So yes. year, year yes. after year, I thought I'll have, I'll have our landscaper come and build that. That seems like a lot of money to put in, but was willing to do that. But then you have to fence it and hope that the fence is good enough for the groundhogs, which we have plenty of. And, you know, I don't blame them. If they have some snacks, you know, and it's right here, for all you can eat buffet, I don't blame them. But I can imagine how... Having not been there, I can imagine how yes. I've, I've talked to the people who just we get so angry and upset because things take a while to grow and then all of a sudden yes. they're gone. They're gone. Yes. And it just, it's, it's amazing that it covered all of that. So anybody that doesn't know what a veggie pod is completely, 
just imagine a raised garden bed, but that has a screen over it, like a roof that you can lift up, have it has a pivot point and also has internal watering that you just hook up to a hose line. Super simple. So literally you just put your soil in there. I'm sure I'm not even doing it that well, but I put in my soil. I happen to have compost. I added that. And then I drop these seeds and boom, I'm getting, you know, basically anything that I plant that's going to grow. Before we go further, because I want to talk about having it inside versus outside, talk a little bit about going to Shark Tank. Like, what the hell was that like? <laughs> it, it was a momentous occasion for us uh, from, a, from an awareness perspective. That's about halfway through our journey. So that was about five years ago. And by that stage, we knew we had the great product. It was already becoming mature. We'd done a lot of the tweaks, the improvements to the product itself. And quite frankly, we were one of the few businesses from what I've seen over several seasons that actually had runs on the board, was a real biz, and we had a lot going. You know, the three of us, were, the three musketeers were all very different personalities with different skill sets. We'd learned to run off an oily rag. Uh, we had runs on the board with business. We weren't just this ideas and notions, which uh, with all due respect to the other fellow contestants, were just, you know, it wasn't really much to grab onto. Whereas you know, we proudly had all our books, right? We go, look, this we're in a, we're in 150 garden centers already, sir, madam. You know, this is what we are. This is where we've been. And so I thought, to uh, with all due humility, that we were a no-brainer. And um, but you know, that still it was Matt was put to the blowtorch, of course, because they love that drama on the show. And you know, you have to give up part of your company, and that made us, you know, when we're popping the champagne, we're having little vomits at the same time, realizing we'd given away some of our our beers, but it was all about PR and awareness because we didn't need the dough, to be honest, because again, we weren't drawing salaries out for the first three years like many small businesses, So, but we needed people to see what we were doing and that gave us the launch to the world and it it was magnificent. We, Matt, you know, he had his little uh, sweat coming down his brow at one point there with a few questions, but, but got through and he did a great job and... You know, overnight, our server crashed to three nights in a row. We had, you know, these hard-won stockists over the previous two years were living out the back of our vans, were now coming to us unsolicited. It was a really lovely time. And, you know, some people laugh a bit about it. You say, was it tacky? And, you know, is it contrived? But you know what? It really served its purpose for us. And we're very proud of that time. And we wonder now, you know, if we hadn't done that, would we still be where we are today? I think we were certainly on that journey and the train wouldn't have stopped. But I think it would have taken a hell of a lot longer. So it was really important for us and, and, a, and a key milestone. So, Yeah, I think it's a total feather in your cap. Because like you said, you come on there and you have to have such a solid understanding of your invention. You have to have numbers because they all want to know like how much you've made, what's your profit, right. all profit margins, yes. all these things. So it isn't just like, you know, making like home home baking an invention and, and bringing it for the entertainment. There really is, yes. I would be incredibly nervous to come there oh, gosh, yeah. because they're only going to pick something that they really, really think it obviously is going to make them money. So yes, that's right. And, and you know, like that five minutes or seven minutes of ad footage is really boiled down from like two hours of grueling interview at the point. And that's only the final interview, mind you. There are pre-site tests, you know, just to make sure that you're not going to, you know, 
poop yourself on, on national TV and, and, or go into a depression if you don't get it. And there are free interviews. So it's a long journey, as a matter of fact. So, I mean, hats off to everybody that made it to the end. And, uh, yeah, it's, they certainly grill you. They certainly make you spill your guts. They have professional auditors that go through your books and make sure that whatever you're saying is indeed true. So, yeah, it is. It's, it's certainly a, it's, it's a forced uh, due diligence upon yourself and your company in a way. So, and, and indeed, it forced us to do some things that we hadn't been doing. You know, as you would probably understand, Laura, you know, when you're running a small business and it really just comes down to you as a person and, and your own HR management of yourself and your skills. But once we had successfully won Shark Tank, we were then forced to do these quarterly meetings, you know, with our investor. And it was like, oh God, you know what? We actually have to dig into what's going here and report on things. And it was making us do things that should indeed be done, but we hadn't done it up to that date because we were so scattered all over the place and trying to do this and sell that, you know, putting our time and effort everywhere else. So again, all that ongoing journey beyond the TV part was critical for us. And I think uh, anybody that was that has been through that experience would, would also vouch for that. Yeah. And like you said, there's such an accountability to it. It's not just like your five or seven minutes of celebrity or, or spotlighting. It's that you then have to continue to kind of like hold that, hold the bar high. Did all of the investors vote to invest with you guys? Well, no, they did. It's quite, it's quite a, a funny moment, actually. And, and uh, like, just to give you a little bit of an insight of what, what goes on during that period, I mean, all four of them were frothing right up until one point because I think everybody, and that's the beauty of gardening, quite frankly, is that it doesn't matter who you are, your demographic, your age, whether you're into the organic health side or whether you're into just the gardening, whether you're into, you know, natural living or whether you're into talk, trying to get your family learning about so whatever period of life, demographic you're in, everybody is, has an innate sense for gardening or, or, or desire to get into it into some form or manner. So all of them were frothing. We had our numbers, as I said. We had runs on the board. So they go, yep, tick, 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 tick. And at the time, in hindsight, it was a poor decision by us. But we let Matt just go on by himself. And I was off. You know, he should have, in some ways, we should have just said, you know, the other two, because they said, Where, where's, if it's so-called a business structure and so-called important to all three owners, where are the other two? And I was off running around the country trying to make some money for us, which is, you know, hopefully would have been a good thing. And Paul was still tied up with some other key stuff as well. So Matt went on and, you know, they really put the blow to us through that stage. And that's when they went, oh, you know, are these guys not really respecting what this situation is today? And three of them dropped off at that point. And thank God one stayed on. And we are now the, the poster child of that investor, mind you, after four or five seasons. So we're still here and it's still... You know, somehow we're making a bit of profit. So, you know, we're, we're by no means a, a, an international global conglomerate juggernaut at this point. But, we're, you know, we're on the up and up. And um, it's, you know, it's a feel-good thing for us too. And I think that's been part of it, Lara, is, is, and, you know, which is why it probably resonates with you and your audience is that those angles of, it, you know, gardening is not weapons. It's not pharmaceuticals. It's not tobacco industry. We're talking about we're helping people grow food. We're helping people get healthy. Uh, you know, we're making sure that if you want to know you're going to grow organic food, the only way to do it really is to do it yourself. It's good for people. It's good for society. It's, it's, you said it's good for society and it's yeah. good for the planet. 
And I think that is, that's where you really, this is like a passion, but it's also a purpose and you found your purpose and it's amazing. You're right. It's so easy to sell something that you have absolutely zero conflict with, that you absolutely are hundred percent behind. And, you know, going back to your, like how you said everybody is, I was just thinking my background is in anthropology, biological anthropology. There are things I think we're just hardwired. We don't even know. It's just like in our DNA, but it would make sense that we are hardwired to want to grow, to want to nurture, to want to nourish and to want to actually be able to do it ourselves as opposed to there's a fragility in having to depend on an outside source. So I do think it taps into something we might not even recognize as conscious, but is really actually hardwired is that we, it it feels amazing. It feels like a child, like growing a child, you know, it's like I go out, I check my veggie pot every day and I'm like, look at what's happening. It's exciting because again, yeah, it's like something that we can do, but it is something I think again, that is within us. We want to do. That's been another, well, probably been the, the most well, it's been certainly personally my favourite part of the company is is what we got. we have a community programs arm to our business and um, it's tapping into exactly what you're alluding to and in that you know th- there's a whole field now um, Lara and there's a great actually American uh, association of it too and Australia is very forward with it it's called the it's uh, therapeutic horticulture and there's a whole study around it now and I think you know we know I mean. You know, it's it's been talked about, and we know for millennia. You know, human beings feel bloody better when they're in the garden, when they're in the forests, and when they're with plants. And we know that, but it's now becoming a little bit more. You know, it's got academic rigor around it, and and people are looking into it further. And and that became a natural arm for us because you know, first and foremost, we were about helping individuals and families and households grow in their backyards. But then we started noticing all these unsolicited uh, purchases from community groups and for organisations from kindergartens to schools to prisons to hospitals to aged care facilities to disability hubs to social housing projects. And we're going, you know what, we, I think we'd better start having a look at this more, you know, not just from a business perspective, but something really interesting was going on for us from the business point. Going back about four years ago, as, a, as an onlooker first, just having a bit of a sticky beak and a picky burr, and I, w- I went to the Australian Association of Horticulture Therapy and saw all these key uh, pivots, if you like, within those groups. So it might be a nurse from the hospital that was really personally involved with gardening. It might be a particular teacher that really was pushing forward an agenda of, of gardening at school. And I thought, oh, these are our people, right? And and But they're also helping to put it into such beautiful areas of the community and get such great results. So we became a a major sponsor of the association there after the last three years we have been. And we met the likes of this Amy Wagonfield. She's a compatriot of yours and she's a head of occupational therapy and and horticulture therapy over there. And listening to talks with her and look, going back to your point, I've seen some of the, what what we would call the, the, you know, the biggest hard asses in the world, right? We go to a prison, guys tatted up, you know, probably involved in some horrific stuff. And we get them gardening and they are into it, right? They love it. They be, they're us. And then we go to an aged care facility and uh, there will be dementia patients there and 
they get up out of their wheelchair, they smell the rosemary and they go, my God, and I'll start talking about a roast dinner at Lamb with their parents when they were 20 years old. And then we go to a disability hub and we'll have the guys getting up and helping us and just feeling all part of it. We get all these liminal moments where we just chatting. That might be just it as well. The garden brings people together. doesn't have to necessarily be about that particular carrot we're uplifting, but it's bringing people from all different races and cultures and, and challenges together. And the social housing project, I, I always quote this one. There was a, a lovely lady whom I met there. She, she was a, a big proponent. 30 years doing this job where she was a, what they call a tenant engagement officer. So trying to get the, all these tenants from different ilks uh, and, and walks of life and different challenges together and would struggle. They'd have, you know, barbecue days and, and you know, Father's Days where they get down to the to, to the barbecues and all that sort of stuff. And she said to me, Simon, have 30 years of, of coming up with activities or things to do or see or whatever, she said, oh, I've never seen anything that epitomises what we try to do than these gardening activities together because everybody's got a story about a grandfather or a cousin that maybe have done this or somebody cooks, you know, brings cooking stories in. You know, the Lebanese was talking about the baba ganoush they made out of the eggplant, whereas the Vietnamese guy was talking about the stir fry. And, you know, all this stuff is going on. And they said, they're all together and they're all out of here. So for me, and, and, and indeed I could say, I think I could talk for the rest of us in here, when we go and do these installs or when we get to experience the life that comes to people from both a physical point of view, from a mental health point of view, from a spiritual point of view, we are proud to say that, well, you know what? It's not much better than, than gardening. And if our veggie pods are making that gardening experience easier and more accessible, you bloody beauty. I love that. Oh my gosh, that just gave me the chills. And I immediately thought of two things. One, well, so many things, but one that you know we do, and I'm sure you do in Australia as well, have these urban deserts, you know, yes. where we have predominantly low-income housing and there's very little produce, uh, if any at all, in, in, in mm. walkable distance. And I think there's a lot of, there have been many nonprofits that have started local gardens in there, yes. but uh, this would be such a great pro- product for that because yes. you could do it inside, outside. You, again, don't have to contest with those things. So the yes. urban gardens, you know, I think are, are a great idea. And the second thing that came yes. to mind is yep. for all the moms out there, I cannot implore you enough to get one of these because early on when my kids were younger and I, I'm a natural food chef and then I went and became a holistic health counselor, mainly just because I wanted to be able to speak to all these things more with, with the science, but also just some kind of schooling. And so I would go to these mom's groups and they would come and they'd say, oh, I'm so glad you're here. You know, so my son doesn't eat anything but chicken fingers and whatever, you know, and I'm just, and I said, and I was, first thing I'd say is, well, okay, how old is your son? Three years old. I said, well, first of all, you're in charge. (laughs) Okay. But I said, you know, one thing is make it less of a mystery, get them involved. Even if they're not eating something right away, get them to go to the grocery store and hold the kale and say, this is kale and all that. Well, gardening is taking it another step. Because the research has shown when kids are involved, it's not like this thing they don't understand. And, oh, my God, it's green. I can't eat it. So for all those moms out there who have picky eaters, quote unquote, this is such a great project to do together, but to also really teach your kid about that this is 
you've grown this. And now when you eat it, like what a full cycle that is, how amazing it's not strange or foreign anymore. It's something that you put your hands into. So, I mean, there's pretty much any category. I would say this is just amazing for amazing. You're bang on, um, Lara. It's, I mean, really, what's more important for us as a species, for us as, 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 a, as a mother or a father to teach youngins? I mean, algebra or where your food comes from? How do you, how do you plant? How getting in touch with the seasons, right? And it's, I'm with you there too because I have, I've seen it for myself. And, and there's an adage, right, that, that we use in gardening. If a, if a kid grows a veg, they'll eat a veg. And I've been to some pretty challenged schools here. And, and we, as I said, we do have a community program called um, a Sprouters, a Sprout High, specifically for schools. And we'll go out and set up one or 10 or 20 of these pods at schools. And I've been to some of these challenged areas where, yes, some of these kids, we start growing peas. And um, I kid you not, did not know that the peas came out of a pod. Right? You know, they thought these roly balls came out of somewhere else, let alone would touch them or eat them, right? And I would grow these peas and grow these strawberries with them and do the plant out. And they're like, the kids are kind of they're sticking their noses up going, I don't eat veg and all that sort of stuff. And go, all right, okay, they're the tough ones. I'd come back in two months, three months when the peas were forming and the strawberries were forming. And these same kids who were anti at the beginning were literally bouncing me. I'm not joking. I'd come up to the pot and start. They go, hey, excuse me, sir. And like, I wouldn't let me open it. This was my, that was their veggie pot. And I went, wow, that, that to me, that was victory because they're going, they owned it, right? Which is also, as you alluded to, it's about that experience and taking about a step. So when they are building the pot or even any other garden bed, you know, it's not just about veggie pots, but they, if they build the garden, they put the soil in and they watch them, the seeds grow. I mean, there's magic. That's more magic yes. to me than, than trigonometry and working that stuff out, right? They see Absolutely. the seeds grow and sprout and then they eat it and then they take it home. Sense of achievement. Mum, dad, look what I grew. How good does that taste? You won't have to worry about trying to force uh, peas down their throat at that stage. That Absolutely not. It's like there's a connection and that connection is very, very deep like your kids showed you. And I've seen it as well. Okay, so here's my next question. For the people who living in really, really climates that this is, they can't have a veggie pot or like say in New Jersey, like over the winter, how does one bring it inside? What is the best way to do it inside? Well, look, you can do it. And we were... Like obviously in Australia, pretty well anywhere in Australia, we've got beautiful sunshine uh, 365 days a year. Um, uh, but now you're just bragging. Now you're just bragging. <laughs> well, my, my family's in Tasmania, so we, we do have snowy places as well. Okay. Look, and we actually went to Canada before we went to the US, as a matter of fact. There's a mob up there called Lee Valley Hardware Stores, and they took it on beforehand, and they quizzed us on the same question. And they go, you know, like, how do you stand up to cold weather? And we went, oh, you know, worries, mate. You know, it's Tasmania. They've been fine. They went, like, they laughed at us. They said, we, yours, winter's down there pale into insignificance to ours. We get minus 30 degrees and 10 foot of snow. We go, yeah, right. So, look, can you grow outside during those absolutely freezing months where you have 10 foot of snow? No, you can't. No, nor can you with anything unless you're, you know, some kind of, you know, igloo and it's, it's completely closed off as a climate. But having said that, where the pods have come into effect is, you know, you're still growing your kale and your brassicas into the colder months, but you can get, you know, a, an unexpected snowdrop, dump, whatever you call it over there. And overnight, 
you will lose all your standard raised beds or your other gardens because it's all topped with snow. So they were all stoked because our canopies stopped those dumps and still managed to survive. That doesn't mean it can go all the way through the winter, as I just said before. And it also stops those cold snaps with the frosts and whatnot. Now, if you do want to bring it inside, yes, you can. We have small, medium and large, and folks over there can look up on the veggiepod.com website, but the smalls and the mediums in particular are, are, are super accessible and mobile because they have wheel options. So we have stands, we have trolleys, and you can put them straight on the ground, whatever you. So if you do wish to bring them inside into your garage or um, into perhaps behind a conservatory window or something, you certainly can. We've seen it. We don't do it too much here down under, but, you know, the Poms are doing it in the UK. The Americans are doing it over there. We have them going into Germany next month and the Canadians, of course. And some of them, Lara, putting racks of LED spectrum, sun spectrum lights on the top of the canopies and making indoor growing uh, stations. So, A, if you don't wish to bring them inside, you don't have to. The the shape of the reservoirs, we have self-watering reservoirs underneath freeze and go up and out and don't crack your beds like other garden beds. But B, if you want to continue growing, wheel them in, get your spectrum sunlights on and Bob's your uncle. So um, there are indeed a couple of options. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that. Like we've had two frosts and I have noticed that, that yeah. my I'm growing kale and lettuce and they're growing, no problem right now. Yes. And that's been great because the frost didn't go on them. You know, they it just like it looked all on the lawn, but it, I guess the canopy was enough to prevent that. And so, but I did think, I told my husband, I was like, let's try it because we do have some really great sun in yes. one of our rooms and, um, and room for it. So I'm going to try it and I'll get back to you on it, but I'm going to get one of those lights as well. Cause I just, been like, I want to grow this year round. It's so much fun. It is really so little effort even to move it and, you know, have that take an hour yes. would be no big deal because the rest of the time, literally people, it's like you check on it once a day we got a timer for our hose. So I literally just put on my 15 minute for the watering. If it hasn't rained in a while or something, um, it's yep. so easy. It's crazy. It's so, it's so amazing. Yep. And it's really fun. And it is, it's so great to, you know, to care for something. It's obviously we care for a lot of animate things like our animals and yep. people in our lives, but to care for this, like it is, it's alive, but it's different. It's, it's not an animal. It's, yep. it has another quality of real, you know, like cheering and, and nourishment. So yeah. I'm, I'm just, th- I'm so thrilled. I'm so glad I found you guys. And I will say that when I Googled and you guys came up, the Shark Tank little banner is what really got me. I was like, well, whoa. Right. And I'm not yeah. even, I don't honestly, full confession, I think I've seen Shark Tank maybe three times. Yeah. But I know the level of, I know even without knowing that there's a lot of steps to get there. So you have to have really created something quite amazing to get in there. So what are your plans for like the next, your your goals for like the next five years? Well, yeah, good question. Um, We're not actually soliciting new distributors. We're that busy, but they come on. And so as they come on, we entertain them and we check it out. And, you know, so in other words, we're waiting for those who are, you know, they're rigid edge, they're, they're kosher, they really want to have a crack um, because, indeed, they're the ones that we want to welcome to the family rather than us going out, you know, who wants to be a distributor? We're not doing right. that. But when they come through, they are. And as I said, we are continually expanding. And it's been 
that'll be the way that we keep going because now that we're more, we, you know, if we've been doing the five years of international expansion now and New Zealand was our first and then we went to Canada, then we went to UK when we were guest in Matisse at the Royal Chelsea Flower Show there. And then, of course, Matt moved to US to take on the US beast. So that's just been going on and on. And, and you know, we moved in, we move into Egypt and Poland and Germany this time. So that's 19 countries ticked off. I think that will continue, Lara. Um, we now have a out-of-the-box distributor type packing because we know what it can, what what it means. But you know we're careful with it. We it's it's we like to call it. We always say welcome to the family when when people buy a pod or when a people becomes a distributor. So we're very much still that family-run, down-to-earth business, which I think anyone in gardening by their very nature is going to be down-to-earth. So we're keeping ourselves in check. We're not out there trying to bust down the world and grow too quickly albeit there's those pressures to do it. We're certainly not selling out. We don't go to big box, for example. We're not in the Walmarts and the Home Depots of the world. We're a little bit more of that. We've got a lot more features. We're, yeah, we're a little bit more expensive than just, say, a standard four-wall cheap bed, but we've been analogized as the Weber of garden beds. We're the Dyson of garden beds. You know, we're the KitchenAid of garden beds, and proudly so. And, and that's why we're on these rewards redemption. That's where we're placed on uh, on these platforms these days. So, um, I think we'll continue there. I think we'll keep growing. You know, it's it's going to be interesting. Some of these distributors, Lara, it might be just a, a husband and wife team like it is in Poland, you know. It might be like in Philippines, VeggiePod Philippines, where they're already doing many other businesses and they're doing fire retardants and, and uh, security screening, all this weird stuff, but we happen to be another product on their line. So, you know, it's 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 certainly fitting into s- several different business models and I think over time we'll watch that expand and, you know, we'll get out and about and join people and, uh, you know, we still attend all the shows. We do a lot of the shows that are boots on the ground stuff. So we, we average just in Australia alone three shows a month. So something like your Philadelphia Flower Show or the Seattle Pacific Northwest Garden Show or the LA Vegan Festival, you know, right down these small, you know, yoga festivals and, and organic farms festivals, that's where we get in contact with directly to our consumers. It's where we can keep growing and we have this great relationship. So I see that part of us continuing to grow. I think we'll get into further countries and hopefully we'll keep our sanity at the same time. Well, you're such a beautiful example of a smallish, large company that is in that, that, um, kind of it's not a battle but that like do we just grow big and and get other people you know doing the work and lose some of that intimacy and connection but i feel like your mission and your philosophy and your passion is so much about creating this community which you obviously have i mean i feel a part of it from the time i ordered it, i just was i really felt that and so i really commend you for that so just keep up with that for sure and you know if, yeah. if I could interrupt there too, because that, that yeah. reminded me that that uh, community sense and whatever. Now there is a beautiful group. It's called VeggiePod Owners. It's a Facebook group, proudly not run by us, not started by us, started by a VeggiePod owner. That you know, that it's a bit cult like, right? Everybody gets. Oh, I love that. Right? I'm going to join. Yeah. <laughs> you have to join. It's. I think it's almost eight thousand people now, wow. all around the world. This community that's super fluid, super polite, super helpful. And, you know, you've got Deirdre going, has anyone tried asparagus? And someone will go, yeah, don't do it. The roots go bloody crazy. And someone's <laughs> going, look, and I'm having problems here. So, yeah, they're aphids. This is what you do here. And just some people going, hey, check this out. Look what mine's doing, right? But 
We just sit back going, how good's this, right? Like, I was going to say, that is the ideal, that you have the passion so much. They've created their own organization within yours. Right. You don't have to do the work, but you can look at the manifestation of all your work That's and it. see the enjoyment and the... Yes. Yeah. That's oh, I love that. That's our dopamine hit. So we, we sort of, Matt, Paul, and I, whenever we're like, we're having a struggling week or we go, oh God, this is a, our little drug is we pop onto veggie pot owners and we just look at the wonderful things that are going on there. You know, it, it sounds almost uh, being a little bit too, too much of grandeur, but literally we're seeing life-changing things going on there and they're saying things like, check out my kid frothing over this or, you know, my gra- my mother who is crook, you know, she hasn't been gardening for years, has now got a veggie pot on a stand, she's gardening again. It really is heartening and encouraging and it makes us feel like we're doing the right thing. And, uh, you know, apart from from that, you know, it's a um, it's a bit like those Microsoft community groups. You know, Microsoft aren't spending their dough on on getting people to help each other. There are people out there who are just willing to help, and we just love it because some people we're still learning from it. We'll go, oh god, actually, yeah, I've never tried growing um, uh, shiso leaves in there before for the Korean cooking. How look at that! Well, so you know, it's it's a great learning tool for us as well. And and I implore anybody, even if you do not own a veggie pod. And you want to see what it's about and how it affects people and what are the features and the benefits. You know, don't take it from us and our little sales bill. Go onto there and, and, and see how it is from, from uh, users of the pods themselves. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I, I can't, uh, I really cannot recommend it enough. It was on our GIF recommendations for the holidays. It is just such a, a wonder. Give it to yourself, you know, and don't wait. You know, I think of anything the pandemic has taught us scrap up the money together and get it, do it, do it now, because we are not guaranteed anything. And this will bring you so much joy and satisfaction. That's that this is not to be under undermined at all. And then of course you get this community, which I just love. And, you know, for small business owners out there really, you know, take, take heart in this, in this great example of a small business that you're going to hustle and hustle and hustle. And then if you're doing what is your purpose and you're in line with that, there's just infinite just give back that you will get. Yeah. yeah. So where can people find out more about VeggiePod and you guys? Well, like we have a website for each of our countries. So you'll respect, if you're in Canada, go on to .com.ca. If you're in the US, .com, Australia.com.au. So yeah, go on to the website. There's Look, there over the years, there have been plenty of individual users to garden centers to reviewers you know we, we won the golden shovel in the u.s a couple of years ago which is a peer review thing from you know third parties saying you know whether the products are good or not so there's plenty of those youtubes and reviews out there we have the, the veggie pod owners group we've got an instagram account a facebook account again we do not do any of our own posts we cannot keep up with veggie pod is going do you want to post mine do you want to post mine yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we'll get to it we'll get to it and because that's more powerful than my words, who people are going to think, well, he's a bit biased. And he said, so, oh, we literally every single day just post someone else's picture in yeah. their words, unedited. And we think that that shows people what it's all about. So if you go onto our Instagram, VeggiePod Instagram or VeggiePod Facebook or onto the website, there is a plethora of uh, information there. There is. And I will say from my experience, I ordered right from the website. Um, it was delivered timely. And what I'll also say for customer service 
because in the delivery, some one little part was crushed and I just emailed and I got, got a replacement in two days. Like it was crazy. Yeah. It was like, oh, I'm so sorry about that. We'll send you another one. Boom. I mean, yeah. it was just, it was, it, the customer service is, is wonderful. So I can't, yeah. you know how I feel. I'm like one of your biggest fans, but now I'm going to have to go and compete with your other biggest fans. On <laughs> get on it. Get on it. It's a friendly competition there. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's a beautiful thing, but, and you know, customer service, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, it's weird to have to say it's old school now, right? Like I, for, for us, it should be, uh, it should be an internal school, right? But right. We, we made it as part of our ethos and indeed part of our company charter when we set up, because all three of us have had times in corporate and pretty sure you'd be the same over in the US. You know, when you go to the bigger companies, the, the telcos or the banks or the, the utilities and that, you get shifted overseas with all, it's, it's nothing to do with a race or a culture. It's just about that we wanted to make sure you have customer service emanating from where the product is or where, or where the company is because there are other things that come with it. There's, there's a sense of understanding. There's a sense of urgency. And there's a sense of knowing your culture and your, your, those little nuances of when you're talking to someone in your own language that, you know, can be missed. So again, it's nothing to do with, well, outsourcing always makes you feel like it's you're not that important, honestly, because it's just like you're kind of recircuited. If you get the person that you're actually called and that person is going to be able, you know, for me, it was just an email and they email back immediately and they're like, sure, no problem. We'll send you this. But yeah, whether it's a phone call or not, customer service, it, you're right. It shouldn't be old school. But this is what I always say is like, the customer's always right. You are you, like, they are your family and you're trying to make it happen. Of course, there's going to be occasionally strange, strange ones, but you know, yeah, it's like, you want to, you want to be known as that, uh, that white glove service that you care and that you're going to do what it takes. And you guys definitely do that. So. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, and it's, it's not contrived to get that, but it's, it's true. You know, given thou shalt receive it. And, and um, we've got, you know, like whenever we, look at it, we go, you know what? Like sometimes we go, God, we're taking so many calls here or we're doing this or that. Or, you know, we've still got Pam and Mel and, and and some of the other young pups sending parts out manually here from our sheds. But then when you see what comes back and the praise and the fact that it really means a lot to people still and the fact that we get good PR out of it, right? So it matters because the world is so robotic in a way that to actually have that continual like human I mean, people will actually say to me, I can't believe you wrote me back on Instagram. I'm like, I can't imagine why wouldn't I? Like to me, that's, but maybe I'm just old. Like you said, I'm old school. Like if you took the time to write me, I can take the time to write you back. That's kind of how I feel. Yeah. But I do see that that is um, not necessarily always the case. So uh, I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for your time, Simon. Biggest well, fan here. Thank you. And for everybody out there, thanks for listening. And I'm pulling for you. Thank you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 